Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. I am excited to be here today. About you? Woohoo! Well, I think I know that God has a good word for us today. That God wants to speak life. He wants to speak encouragement. He wants to speak hope into our lives. So we're going to go to John and we're going to talk about Jesus wanting to turn your water into wine. We're in 2 John 2, starting in verse 5. And it says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now we're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the crazy thing is this is the last recorded words of Mary in scripture. The last recorded word. Now we don't worship Mary in any way, shape or form. But we do look at her with a little bit of honor. After all, she did carry our Lord. She did raise our Lord. She did teach him how to walk. And how to talk. And she, knowing who God said she would bear, said, do whatever he tells you. That's her word spoken over you and me, just as it was over the servants at that wedding. And now there were set, there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That means these water pots were a minimum of like 120 gallons. Some commentaries say even up to 180 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Fill them. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, But the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out good wine. And when the guests have drunk well, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Now, as I'm reading this, I am like jumping out of my inner man ready to go because I know what's coming. (laughs) I've been chewing on this for about a year now since we taught it in Bethesda. And studying this weekend has got me ready to explode. But the awesome thing about any of the manifestations, Jesus turning water into wine, Jesus healing the blind man, Jesus baptizing us in the Holy Ghost and fire, all of the manifestations are for what? His glory. It's not to say, look at this, and look what I did. Look what I was a part of. Guess what happened to me? I'm so holy. No. It takes all attention off of you and I and puts all the attention on him. It manifests his glory. It reveals God the Father and Jesus and who they are in their heart and all their glory and all they're capable of. So I want us to get our eyes this morning on Jesus. Has he turned your water into wine. So in John 2, 7, Jesus tells them, fill the water pots. Before all of our blessings comes what? Christ's command. 
comes his command. He always asks something of us. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We can't get saved till we believe. There's always something that he requires of us. John 9, 7, he said to the man, um, after he spits on the, in, in the dirt and rubs clay on the guy's eyes, he says, go wash in the pool. And then the guy goes and washes and he comes back seeing. He had to go do something. You know, the lepers, he tells them to go on their way. And as they're going, then they're healed. Matthew 12, 13 says that he said to the man, stretch out your hand. We all know the story of the man with the withered hand. He, I mean, it was literally hanging. There was no life in it. And he says, stretch out your hand. He asked him to do the very thing the man couldn't do. But as he stretched forth his hand, it's healed. What is God commanding of you? What has he been asking of you? So often we're like, Lord, heal me. Go to the altar. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't go up there. But God, heal me. Go, go to the altar. Lord, fix my finances. Tithe. Oh, uh-uh. I ain't got money for that, God. I need you to fix my finances so I can pay my bills. Tithe. There's always a command before the blessing. John eleven forty three says that when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus couldn't come out of that dead grave till Jesus called him. You know, oftentimes when we're in the very, the dead places of our life and he begins to speak forward and say, rise up, rise up. That's when we have to do something. So often, you know, Wednesday was a hilarious day. I, Zach had just gone to the airport the night before, and um, just that poor staff, it was, a, it was an interesting day. Lots of tears by me, and just a lot going on, and I'm driving in the day, and I'm like, Lord, I have this massive headache. I'm nauseous. I'm ready to just, Ugh. and I'm like, Lord, just last month I told Zach, I haven't been preaching enough. I am, like, starving to preach. And here I get to preach, and it's like, everything's breaking loose. What's up with this? And so I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I, it's 3 o'clock. i got to preach at 7, and I, you know, you ever seen those um, pin cushions? Where's Greta? She's not here. Those pin cushions for sewers when they have all the needles in it? That's how I felt. <laughs> I'm like, I have to be spiritual, Lord. What is happening to me? And so as I felt myself whining a little, And I just was begin to repent. I said, Lord, you knew this day was coming. You appointed the day and the hour of all these events that have got me right where I am. And then he reminded me of the prayer. Expand me, oh Lord. Expand my capacity to worship you. I said, oh, I repent. I got it. I don't know how to rise up today, but I pray you rise up in me. And I'm going to step forward tonight, and I'm going to proclaim your word. And I'm just trusting that you show up, because I ain't got nothing to give. I ain't got nothing. Worship starts, and I ask the pastor, I, I, worship starts on the floor, just covered up. I'm, I'm nauseous. I'm sick. I still got a headache. And literally, God begins to speak to me. And literally, the headache did not go away until I picked up the microphone and began to proclaim that he started prophesying over his people.
he first gives a command. Rise up, daughter. Rise up. What's he beginning to speak over you and your situation today? In Ezekiel 34, he said, prophesy to these bones and say, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We begin to speak to those things that aren't as though they are. What happens after the command? Well, I mean, you could like just like fix my headache, God, and take away the nausea and like make everything go perfect and, you know, take away Zoe's cough and her runny nose. And if you could just like set me up on a cloud and make everything wonderful, then tonight will be really good. Is that what he asks? Eh. He requires immediate obedience. He said, fill the water pots. And you know what? Those servants could have looked at him and said, what are you talking about? It's a wedding. We don't serve water at weddings. We serve water at the feast. The feast is coming next week, Jesus. You know this. You're, you're a Jew. You know our customs. We don't do that at weddings. But Mary had told the servants, do whatever he asks. And so at his command, they took the water pots. And they go and they fill them to the brim. You know, when Jesus asks you and I to do something, how many times do you kind of do it halfway? They could have filled the water pots halfway. They could have filled them almost to the top. But he said, no, fill them to overflow. You know, I take that as a picture for our lives. You know, when I was in the world, I partied like the world. I had a great time. I'm not going to lie to anybody. I had a great time. And if you were going to be my friend, you were going to have a great time too. I was going to make sure about it. But all the more, when I was born again, I'm going to live it to the fullest. Because Jesus came to give us what? Life and life abundant. So when he says, go proclaim my word, I'm not going to go, um, well, you know, like there. And then, like, he really does love you. And no, I'm going to go. Y'all have seen me. I'm going to go and pour my little heart out and, and, and exhaust exhaust the gospel in that person's life that they might see Christ. We're going to be obedient and we're going to be zealous. We're not going to go just halfway. I want to be like the servants who immediately took those jars and went and filled them. You know how heavy that is? 120 gallons plus of water with six J pots, clay pots that can contain it. Can we put up that first quote, Josh? It says, fill the water pots with water. Yep, though what you want is wine. Christ sees a connection between the water and the wine, though you do not. He has a reason for the pots being filled with water, which reason as yet you do not know. It is not yours to ask an explanation, but to yield obedience. You are, in the first instance, just to do what Jesus bids you, as he bids you now, as he bids you, now that he bids you, and because he bids you, and you shall find that his commandments are not grievous, and in keeping them, there is a great reward. You know, so oftentimes, um, you know, he'll say, like I said, you know, be ye healed, and then say, come up to the altar, and you're like, but that's not how you healed me last time. Or, you know, I really don't like that because if I fall on the floor and I have a back problem, then it's going to get just messed up again. So can't you just heal me in my seat instead? 
And how many times do we do that? And, and I'm using the altar as an excuse because that really gets, I mean, that's really is a holdup for some people. But how many times does, you know, you're in a crazy situation and someone really did do you wrong and Jesus says, forgive them. And you're like, but I can't forgive them because this is what they did and you know what they did. And, and, and if you could just do this and X, Y, and Z, then it'll make it all better. So can you just fix it? But Jesus sees the whole outcome. Jesus sees everything. You know, when he told me I wasn't made for the business world. He didn't create me for that. And he called me into ministry and he moves me to New Orleans. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to Bible school. I'm going to be in the ministry. And he brings me to New Orleans to restructure a company. And I'm like, well, that doesn't even make any sense. And then he tells me to go back and finish my business degree online. I'm like, you don't even make any sense, Jesus. But he knew the outcome. He knew that within three months of going back to online school, I was going to be managing an entire network of computer systems, and I had to reteach myself that. He knew in business school I was going to do international business and come into the ministry and begin to deal internationally with product sales and import and export. He knew exactly the tools that I would need coming into the ministry to help in the administration side. And then when that was over, then he said, Bible school. Oh, there was all said and done. But if it was up to me, I would have skipped all that. And I would have gone to Bible school, gotten in the ministry, and then probably messed up a lot of stuff. Because I didn't follow God's plan. Are y'all following what, what I'm saying today? Oftentimes, you know, when he says, believe in Jesus and be saved, you know, we want to have penance. We want there to be bitterness and weeping. How many, you know, when we've sinned or we've done wrong or we go and even ask someone for forgiveness, we want them to just chew us out and tell us how horrible we are because we believe we deserve it. And God says, no, you're forgiven. My, blood, my son's blood has covered it for you. So we can't begin to go and exchange what our perception of things should be for who Christ's nature is. We have to begin to step out of the natural and into the supernatural. If you do not believe, you will not be established. Believe on what? Believe on his commands. Believe on who he said to be. Why and how? Because if we can't believe on him, we can't believe in his word. If we can't believe in his word, how are we going to read it regularly, study it, meditate on it, chew it day in and day out to be able to do all that it commands us to do? But when we believe upon him and who he says he is, and we follow him as disciples, disciplined learners after him, he establishes. Everybody say establishes. He establishes a kingdom life for us in this world. That we no longer walk according to the things of the world, but we walk according to his precepts. It doesn't work the way it works for those people in the world. One plus one doesn't have to equal two for us. It can equal 200. 200,000, it can equal a whole lot because we're established in him. Because our steps are ordered by him and not our own, not our own thoughts, not our own perception of things. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Sometimes we can't see the end of the you know, tree line through the forest, but if we'll just be willing and obedient, he will allow us to eat off the good of his land. We have to have zealous obedience. Let's go to that next quote, Josh. It says, there was no fear of anything but water being there. 
They filled them to the brim. They obeyed Christ to the letter. If Christ says to you, fill the water pots with water, fill them up to the brim. Never cut down his commandments. Carry them out as far as the largest interpretation can go. You know, there's so many people in this life that God has told me to disciple and told me to love. And I'm like, really? Because <laughs> they're the exact opposite of me. Because they don't want to be loved. They don't want to be discipled. And, and I can either fight with God or I can fill their water cup to the brim. And the craziest thing is that I begin to love these people wholeheartedly, giving all of who I am into their lives, letting them into my backyard, into my fence. I end up blessed because I was obedient. And most of those people have become the people that are closest to me in my life because God changed them and he changed me through it. What has God asked you to do? What is God saying for you to do? You know, is he asking for you to be part of Night of Hope and you're committing and never coming? Has he asked you to come help Jen with facilities, but when she calls you, you just dodge her? You know, I mean, we make it super spiritual, but it's practical. It's just practical ministry, practical Christianity. Has he told you to love your mom and you can't stand her? You know, my, remember when my little brother got married... We had just been born again. Remember, he was one of the ones that got arrested that got us born again. And as soon as he gets out of jail, he meets this girl that's working for me. And in like six months, they're married. So it was like a whirlwind, and we didn't really get along after they got engaged. And um, partly because, you know, I was still carnal. And so they got married, I think, in June or July. And my little brother and I have been BFFs. I mean, talk about wrestling it out. You know, he's a mini-me, but he's actually this big now. But, you know, like BFFs, and now he marries this girl and we can't stand each other. And I call and she deletes my phone number, you know, that kind of thing. And so in December, God tells me, love her. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, this is the girl that we're at her, you know, um, bridal party and we're doing these makeovers. And one of her cousins looks at me and goes, oh, my goodness, that color looks great on you. And um, she looks at her mom and goes, that's why I hate her. You know, like it was one of those relationships, you know. And he says, love her. And I'm like thinking, but she hates me and like lets me know it every day. And he says, I didn't ask you if she's nice to you. I told you to love her. The awesome thing is that was 14, 15 years ago. We're great friends today. And that loving her didn't even take a whole six months before, we had be, before I'd won over, over in the Lord. I let her talk ugly. I let her say what she needed to say because she was just really worried that I didn't like her for my brother. And she was taking all of her insecurities out on me so I couldn't hurt her. All it takes is us to say yes. Yes, yes, Lord, and be zealous about it. Has he asked you to play the drums? Has he, what, what has he asked you to do? Simple things become huge things in the eyes of God. Has he asked you to quit drinking? Has he asked you to be nice to your wife? Has he asked you to stop arguing with your boss? 
Has he asked you to be more faithful with church attendance? What about reading your Bible? Has he asked you to do it and maybe there's not a regular plan? You see, we try to make it these huge things, but the, the, the simplest things in our Christianity become the biggest things because it's baby step after baby step that gets us on top of the mountain. But it's disobedience after disobedience that kicks us off the ledge of the mountain. You know, I have a friend in New Orleans that he's a Christian rapper, like a really good Christian rapper. He used to be a big drug dealer in the Ninth Ward, New Orleans, and um, got born again, I guess it's about 15 years ago. Goes through Bible college, you know, starts a ministry of rapping. He's really good. And a cool, cool guy. And he plants a church probably about five years ago in New Orleans. And um, for whatever reason, he's having to work full-time now dealing, um, selling cars. And so he's got all over Facebook, and everyone's got something to say. Why are you doing that? Why aren't you preaching the gospel? Da -da -da -da. He's also got six kids. So, you know, I might have something to do with it. <laughs> Bivocational. And um, so he posts this picture, I think yesterday or maybe Friday, and he says, you know, I didn't find the right car for them, but I was able to pray with them before they left. And it was a picture of him and this family just praying. And, you know, and I said, Corey, this is awesome. Because it's those little moments that make the biggest difference. You don't know when you're going to stop and hug someone or stop and pray for someone or pick up the phone and call them. That's going to make the biggest difference in their life. Maybe the difference over suicide or life. Maybe the difference over the bottle or the Bible. We never know. So we want to have zealous obedience. John 14, Jesus replies and says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. We begin to obey. Deuteronomy 28 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commandments I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in obedience. Woohoo! Walk by the Spirit and walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. And Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know, when we begin diving in Scripture and opening up these stories, you know, you think water turned into wine. How does it have to do with obedience? That's the part of diving in Scripture. The more we dive in, the more we see, it's all intermingled. You know, Wednesday night we had a gentleman come up and talk about how, um, it was Todd Lindstrom, about how he's up here and he smells the fragrance of heaven. He's like, Heather, I'm being serious. Like, it's all over here. And I'm like, that's awesome. No, I'm being serious. Do you smell it? Todd, that's awesome. Oh, Heather, I mean, as soon as I got up here, I smell it everywhere. It's so strong. And then not only that, he says, as soon as you, I was praying, laying hands on him, and I lifted my hand, he says, I can feel the hand of God on me. I can feel the hand of God on me. And he began messing with my mind and replacing things how he wants it to be. Those things don't happen when we say, but God, if you could just fix everything and, and then I'll go preach. 
It's when we say, yes, Lord, yes, you've called me. You've proclaimed it. You've commanded me. I'm going to walk in it. And as I begin to walk in it, I begin to see the blessings of the Lord. Not always for me, but it doesn't matter because that's my blessing. To see someone else blessed by the power of God. To see someone else set free once again. To see somebody else encouraged just one more time by who he is. That's what the gospel's all about. Not mine, 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 mine. I want it all for myself. Oh my goodness, we never get anything. It's when we begin to let go, let go of our pride, let go of our religion, let go of it all and say, God, for your glory, I'm going to fill the pot. I'm going to fill the pots overflow. I'm going to do exactly what you said. You said to come and paint the things and put them on the stage and no one sees my work. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. That's when we begin to see the overflowing abundance and blessing of our God. Amen? Amen. So let's take a look again at John 2, 5 through 9. You know, one of the uh, ways I knew I was pregnant at four weeks was I'm in the gym. Because I'm in the gym like five days a week. I couldn't breathe. Like 10 minutes into class, the woman's like, are you okay today? So you just have to forgive me. It's just part of life these days. So John 2, verse 5, it says, um, His mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six pots of water. So go down a little bit. Verse 7, Jesus says, fill the water pots. They filled them to the brim. And he said, draw out the water, take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Then the master of the feast tasted the water that was made into wine. And so I want to look at what the servants were able to do and what they weren't able to do. Well, you and I have no ability to create a miracle. They couldn't make that water turn into wine. But what they could do was follow Jesus' command. They could take the water pot. They could fill it with water. They could draw some out. They could bring it to the master of the table. That's all they could do. You know, all you and I can do is believe, lay hands on someone, be ye healed in the name of Jesus. We can't do any more. But then Jesus comes and he breathes his life and the water's turned into wine. The water's turned from something bland into something special, from something ordinary to something super, supernatural. So when Jesus asks you and I to do something, do we do nothing? And expect him to come. You know, Jesus says, go therefore into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them all that I've commanded of you. So do you say, well, bring me disciples? I'm not going to go witness. I'm not going to go evangelize. Because God's God. He doesn't need me. So, I mean, he'll bring the disciples to me. When God says, go to Akron, Ohio, and believe for Great Lakes Revival. Do Zach and I come here and just twiddle our thumbs and do basic Bible 101 teaching and never proclaim the glory of God? Never pray for revival? Never stretch outside the four walls of Celebration Church? No. Trusting him doesn't mean we do nothing. Trusting means that we're going to take what he's asked us to do and we're going to do it, but we're going to believe him for the miracle. 
We're going to believe him. All I know to do is to get ready for Night of Hope and open the doors. That's all I can do. But as those people begin to pour in one after the other, I can say, can I pray with you? What can I pray with you about today? And as we begin to pray, all of a sudden see the tears swarming down the faces and having the women hug me and not let me go and say, how'd you know? How'd you know I needed this? That's my part, just to hug them. Just to hug them and let them know that somebody loves them. And then Jesus comes and breathes life. And there comes the miracle. Same thing with preaching. God calls me to preach. I could go out and just tell everybody my story. Guess what? I used to be a drug dealer. Jesus came and saved my life. I might get five people born again. But if I humble myself, submit myself to, to discipleship, to mentoring, and let someone pour into my life, go to Bible college for four years, sit underneath teaching, and, and, and feel to overflow that my water pot is filled to the brim. It enables him to have so much more so much more to work with in me that all of a sudden he could take that teaching and make it alive in Jesus' name. That all of a sudden he could take that discipline and that discipleship and use those mundane experiences to all of a sudden give me supernatural wisdom in a moment of time to set someone free. What is he asking us to do? Do it. Don't just wait. Don't just wait. Oh, I love this story. I'm sure you've all heard of it before. There was a man one time, and he's out in the lake, and his canoe or little boat or piro flips over, and he loses it. And he's in the lake, and he's beginning to drown. And he cries out to the Lord, and the Lord says, I'll save you. So he believes and then a few minutes later, all of a sudden, a boat comes by with some men, and they try to fish him out of the water. And he says, that's okay. I'm good. God's going to save me. And so they go along their way, and the man's treading water, and we all know it's not Zach, right? <laughs> My poor husband. So he's treading water, and the Lord tells him, I'm going to save you. And so he believes, and another boat comes along, and they try to fish him out, and he says, I'm good. God's going to save me. So that boat leaves him be and lets him go on away. And one more time, the Lord comes and says, I'm going to save you. And he believes upon the Lord. So the next boat comes and tries to fish him out, and the guy says, that's okay. I'm waiting on the Lord. So they leave him be, and the man eventually gets tired and weary, and he drowns. And he dies. And when he gets to heaven, he asks the Lord, he says, Lord, you said you're going to save me. What happened? And he says, you didn't see those three boats I sit by? <laughs> it's the same thing in our lives. It's the same thing in our lives. And we, we laugh at the story, but we all do it to one level or another. And so today, just looking at the, at the miracle of Cana with the, with the water pots, is I want us to to be encouraged and, and to let this, the spirit of conviction come by the Holy Ghost in, in the little moments of our life, just prick us. And we say, oh, yes, sir. I know my part. And my part is to believe. And, and when you bring that boat along, I say yes. I say yes. You know, 
we, when, when I found out we were next to the detention center, you can ask Mandy and Steve, I was like, yes, on those phone calls, I'm going. And then I got here and the doors didn't open. I was like, Rrr. and when they finally began to open, it's not me, it's not us going over there and doing a huge church service and getting everybody born again. It's, hey, do you want to partner with me and throw an event for the city? And so that means I got to go meet them every month, an hour a month. Now I'm on all these committees. Now I got to do all this research. Now I got to take all their emails and phone calls. And it's so much work. But guess what? More doors have opened for me going to those meetings and building relationships that we're about to do a garden with them that they're paying for. They're giving us the land. They're giving us a master gardener to oversee us. All we've got to do is provide workers to go and maintain it and harvest it. We get to have their um, kids that are released and put on parole come to hang out with us. They get to come and be part of our Easter outreach. One of the kids that's on parole got to be Olaf. Is that not amazing? What Their kids came to our church service and sat in the front row right here hearing the gospel and told his mama that he was now a member of Celebration Church, that he is a member here. That's adorable. But, but God, I want to go next door and preach. I don't want to go sit in meetings. The gospel looks so different than we think it looks. You know, sweet Jewel Dean is, she's my little mentor. I want to be like her when I grow up. And so she just wants God to use her talents. So she comes, she makes so many phone calls a week for me. If you're new, if I don't see you for a week, she's, if you're sick, she's calling you, making sure that I know what's going on. She's going to visit you. But she comes when nobody's here. I show up at 5 o'clock last night to study, and she's here cleaning our windows Amen. to make sure that those doors are pretty. What does God ask you to do? Because all we can do is what he's asked us to do. And then he comes and brings the miracle. He comes and turns our water into wine. All right, let's keep going. Depending and trusting on the Holy Spirit. When the master of the feast had tasted the water made into wine, he didn't know where it came from. But the servants who drew the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom over. You know why those servants knew? Because they were already involved in the work of God. So many times people sit on the outskirts of church. They're like, yeah, I attend here. I'm a member. And I do such and such. But I don't know what they're doing over there. That's just crazy. I don't know why they're all so excited. they just a bunch of hype people. They're just weird. <laughs> and they just sit there and judge it. But the people that are all in the middle of it, getting all excited, they know the source that's making it happen. Because they're right in the middle of it. It's so easy to see God when you're willing to put your hand to the plow and do the work with people. When you're willing to come like Kathy and all her group of ladies come month after month to get all those clothes organized. You know, and then all of a sudden you see, oh my goodness, that, that last piece was for that single mom that's going on the job interview. Wow, God. Wow. How big are you? We begin to rely on the Holy Ghost to come. Our actions alone are not sufficient. We need the Holy Ghost. You know, when we first came here, I guess we were here about six months, and we were in the fellowship hall. I have no idea what we were doing because we don't do any events around here. And um, 
Zach was telling this guy about how he still gets really nervous before he preaches because we all know he's an introvert. And he gets really nervous where he preaches. And he's like, oh, I'm going to throw up. And I just don't want to go out there. And I'm so nervous. And, you know, and somebody called Zach away. And the guy looks at him. And he goes, I don't know why he's nervous. I mean, the Bible says be ready in season and out. And I'll go anywhere and tell my story anytime. Because, I mean, God has done some things in my life. And I'm just looking at him like, oh, my goodness. I hope you realize how stingy you smell right now. Because he was relying on himself in the flesh. And his story. You see, Zach could just get up here and he could preach. I could just get up here and preach. I could get up here and tell great stories and talk theology and eschatology and apologetics and make you really impressed with me. But guess what? It's not about me. I'm not supposed to get up here and impress people. I'm supposed to get up here and go with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter how much I prepare. It doesn't matter how much schooling I have. It doesn't matter how much God spoke to me yesterday. It matters how much I'm relying on the Holy Ghost right here and right now. So does your ministry. So does your family. So does your job. So does your attitude and your health and your freedom. It all is dependent on the Holy Ghost. You know, we were all this moving stuff and... And so there's been a lot of opportunity for me to just say, well, let me tell you something. And I just go, that's about what I look like. It's really what I feel like. Because without the Holy Ghost, it can all get real nasty real quick. So it's turning off all the faucets quieting myself down and learning to rely on the Holy Spirit every day in every way. You know, the Bible says that Paul plants Apollos waters, but there's never an increase until God gives it. It's not up to you or I to make that increase. It's not up to you and I to produce fruit. God brings it when he wills. Preach the gospel, labor with souls, persuade people, entreat, exhort people. But there is no power in anything that you do until Jesus Christ displays his divine mind. You know, so many times I'll talk to people and they're like, but I did the ABCs of salvation. I walked down the Roman road and their heart was still hardened. But you were planting seeds. But you were watering. Do you know how many times I can remember my dad saying in the middle of my drug escapades and he had no idea, Heather, you need to get a hold of God. Heather, you need to get a hold of God. Heather, you need to get a hold of God. That's what Jesus is all about, Heather. And I'm like, Dad, do you know what's going on in my life? But when Jesus came in his divine majesty and revealed the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was all over. And so my dad would say, and he still sometimes says it, but, but Heather, all those years in church, all those years we took you to Bible class, all those years we had Bible study in our home and church in our home, why didn't you listen? Why did you have to listen to so-and-so? Like, Dad, it wasn't up to you. It wasn't up to me on the time or the hour. It's when Jesus came and, and, and the divine light of the gospel of Jesus opened my eyes. Don't you realize, Dad, that you planted all those seeds all those years and you had a part of my salvation. You may not have been there the moment I was born again, but you sowed the seeds. You watered them day after day and year after year. It was your prayers that kept me alive. And now 
because of Jesus, because Jesus alone can heal. Jesus alone can save. Now I'm born again. We do the work, but we require the power of God. We're desperate upon his power. They would have filled the water pots, and if Jesus wasn't there, guess what? They'd have been done drinking water. But Jesus was there, and he provided the power, and he provided the miracle. His presence is our power. Look, you can say, let me get up there so you all see me, because I know you love my theatrics. Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Now listen to me. This is what you need to do. You need to come to my church on Sunday. And you're just going and you're like, people are like, who are you? There's no life. There's no power. There's no love. But when we begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, I don't want to talk to this person, but I know, I know you love them. Can you just help me? Give me the words to say and, and let your love shine through me, God. That they would see you and not Heather. And then all of a sudden you're like, instead of just saying Jesus loves you, you're sitting with him. And you're crying. And you're saying, no, Cindy, he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's loved you before time began. And you're just compassion and compassion is rolling off of you. It's a total different experience. It's a total different Jesus that we're giving away. We require his power. Then we have the abundance of water turned into wine. You know, it was the end of the feast. It was the end of the wedding. And he turns 120 to 180 gallons of water into wine. When you're reading the commentaries, they say that this wedding probably lasted about a week. So we're not talking he made enough, you know, for it to last till midnight. We're talking he made enough for the entire town to continue rejoicing and celebrating in the wedding to let the week run itself out. When God begins to show up in our lives, he's not going to show up just a little bit. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, I've come to give you life for a day. I've come to, I've come to show you a little bit of sweetness of heaven. No, I've come to give you life abundant. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church of God by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. He wants to turn your water into wine. He wants to turn your mundane experience into extraordinary experiences. He wants to take our disappointments and turn them into triumphs. He's not the God of maybe. He is the great I am. When he says he will do it, he will do it. And he does it big. He didn't come and die on the cross just so we could go to heaven, but still be sick and diseased and poor and miserable and, 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 and tormented. No, he came and defeated it once and for all. He came to save us to the uttermost, through and through, spirit, soul, body, mind, will, and emotions. He's paid for it all. So why are we expecting less in our life? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you and I could ever hope, dream, or imagine. Will you take your portion Fill it to the brim 
and expect the impossible. Let him turn your water into wine. What does that look like? Oh my goodness, I'm so glad you asked. Don't expect him to come, but you never go to church. Go to church. Listen to the preaching of the word. Get underneath it. Ask God to reveal it to you, to let it get down in your soul, to let it wake you up in the middle of the night. Why? Because that's filling your cup with water. You're taking your empty self full of the world as we're living in the week, and you're getting full of the Holy Ghost. How else do you do it? Open up your Bible. If you don't have it in you, he can't do anything with it. You got to get it in your belly. So fill your cup by getting in the word of God. Prayer meetings, oh, those are so boring. Get inside of them. Fill your cup to overflow. Give him something to work with. If you never spend time on your knees, how are you going to know if he answers you? If you never have a rhema word from God, what is that? A God-breathed word for you. If you never get one, how are you going to know if he's faithful to his word? Give him something to work with. Give him the abilities and use them. Use them. If he's asked you, if he's given you ability to work with kids, use it. He can meet you in those little classrooms with those babies just as much as he meets you in here. Because you become the minister of that room. You become the minister of the sanctuary. You get to teach our babies how to worship. You get to teach them the word of God. You know what Zoe told me yes, last Sunday? Sandy was teaching, and she was determined that they were going to know that Jesus is alive. So, of course, I show up, and Sandy asked Zoe, did you learn anything? Uh-uh. Sandy was like, oh. So I just laughed, and we go to lunch, and so we start talking about church. And she says, Mama. Mary put oil all over Jesus' body. That's not good. Because, <laughs> you know, we got all the essential oils at home, and she's not allowed to just go get them. But I was like, how awesome. She listened. So I'm telling her, you know, again, the story of how she anointed, you know, Mary was anointing Jesus for burial. And, oh, that's not good, Mom. It was just funny. And then she says, but you know what? And she screams it in the restaurant. Jesus is alive. <laughs> fill those cups in those rooms. You do the media, fill the cup. You play the drums, fill the cup. You open the doors, fill the cup. Do whatever he's given you to do to your best ability. Don't do it half-heartedly, cursing the people because they didn't do it how you wanted to do it. They just listened to my way. Oh, we already left that story because we're going to be obedient. We're going to be obedient. We're going to stop questioning everybody and everything because we know best. No, he does. He knows all of our personalities. He knows everything happening. And I'm just going to say, yes, sirree. And I'm going to begin to fill the water pot and give Jesus something to use in my life that I can have a miracle, that you can have a miracle. Do them wholeheartedly. Teach your Sunday school class. Pick people up for church. But fill your cup. Spend time with your kids. Turn off the phones. Take your spouse out on a date. Wake up early with the kids and let someone sleep in. <laughs> My dog doesn't like weather. 
He was my alarm clock at four. <laughs> and so what do I do when I've done all that I can? Y'all can come on up, Grace. What do I do when I have done all that I can? I trust the Lord to do the work. There's nothing else I can do. All I can do, all you can do, is what he's asked you to do. You know, we have this house thing going, and I won't go into details, but it's a little stressful. And when he gave me my rhema word last week about trusting him, you know, I can sit at home and never go look at another house again and say, you're going to give me my, my dream home. That's not going to happen. Or I can just get up and diligently look, talk to my realtor, go visit house after house, and every step along the way, say, I can't do anything else but trust you. I can't make a home appear. I can't make the, my situation change, but I can look to you. And you know what? He's never let me down before. So why would I think he's going to let me down today? Trust him. Trust him and see what he's going to do in your life. He wants to take your messed up circumstance and give you victory. He wants to take your sadness and give you joy. He wants to take the dump hill of ash in your life and give you beauty. Will you hand it over to him this morning and allow him to turn that water into wine? Why don't you stand with me today? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.